0: You're listening to the Mind Your Autistic Brain podcast, the show for late-identified autistics. Each week, you will hear the autism journey of another late-identified person, including their hardest part, their best part, and insights they share just for you. So you know you are not alone on this journey, my friend. Find your person and community here each week. And don't miss the special editions of Creator Spotlight and Hot Topic with your hostess with the mostest social audience. That's me, Carol Jean. Let's get started. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain, Creator Spotlight Edition. Each month, I am showcasing one of our autistic community creators. Today, our Creator Spotlight is Rebecca J. Samuel. From the Healing Place on the Spectrum, and Letters of Love. She is now a number one best-selling published author, and this book is the most incredible gift. And since we are all about hashtag self-love Feb 21 this month in the Mind Your Autistic Brain community, if you're following along on Instagram, then you've gotten some beautiful quotes and some self-love encouragement each and every day from me. Today, we're going to be showcasing Letters of Love by Rebecca J. Samuel. Rebecca, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome
1: to the show. Thank you for having me. I always love getting to talk with you.
0: We do it on the regular. I know. It's fun. It is fun. It is fun. So, Rebecca, tell us about your creative process. You went through a really tough burnout now in retrospect when you were a teenager and you had been a prolific writer up to that point and had really had some beautiful blogs and some short stories. And due to what I call the technicals, it ate it. it. It Ate everything. Ate it all. It's terrible. Oh, I know. And it just in my heart just drops and sinks every time we even talk about or mention <laughs> how this happened. But I think it's a really uh, important part of your journey and your story for where you are today. So would you mind taking us through that story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I was a prolific writer. It was one of my favorite things. It was the biggest way for me to express myself uh, through writing. And then um, to kind of give some background on what ate my my writings and my genius zone, um, it was my computer. Uh, uh, One night in the middle of the night, there was a terrible thunderstorm with lightning. You could see it coming through the window like you could hear the crashes. And it was very scary. Um, But back then, we didn't know about surge protectors. That's one of those things that you need to have connected to your computer at all times. Just plugging in a lady gadget tip there. Um, So I didn't have it in a surge protector. I had it directly to the wall. And so then the lightning struck it and killed, fried my hard drive. No backups back then um, because I was very new to computers. I was learning how they work and I had nothing backed up, nothing saved. We took it to a computer shop And they were like, I'm sorry, it is all gone. So ever since then, I struggled ever writing like I ever did before, which I've now learned is called autistic burnout. A traumatic event, you know, to something that's a passion um, has destroyed it. So I then started turning to songwriting after that because it was a little easier for me to express myself in a shorter, faster way, um, rather than just these long stories and books (laughs) that I was writing. Um, So yeah, for years, like decades, I was not able to write like that. And you
0: wanted to, you still had this, this desire to get back to that place where you were writing and it was just all sort of pouring out of you, right?
1: Yes, I think the hardest part was knowing I had a vocabulary built up because I had a very strong vocabulary and I worked hard at it in school, in my high school years, when those words just weren't there in my brain anymore, which is such a weird phenomenon to happen to you. Um, It was like a loss, like a, a devastation at like a morning almost. Um, because you do, I desired it. I wanted to get back to that. I wanted to get back up on my feet and okay, that's all right. I'm just going to try to remember everything from my memory and write it all down again, the best way I can. Maybe it'll be better this time, but that didn't happen. It was worse.
0: (laughs) So I'm curious, was this probably the catalyst for you getting into computers and becoming the lady gadget?
1: It was, It was because, I mean, I always loved computers and I loved working with, with Blogger as the platform. I discovered it and it became like my own private blog and journal um, where I was writing. And since then that is also gone. (laughs) That whole thing went down the drain as well because I didn't understand how to work Blogger very well on the dashboard. So I didn't back it up, lost that too. I know. It's terrible. Oh uh, my
0: gosh. This is just heart wrenching. It's a heart wrenching story. You, I know. For all you creatives out there, I mean, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, to lose what you have created is just oh it's devastating. But on the flip side, yes, it also when when you do lose those things and when you don't have those old pieces of work to go back to or to lean on or to refer to. Mm-hmm. I found for myself, cause I had something similar happen with my art. Mm-hmm. Um, it does open up this space to say, well, I can just create anything without any preface. Now it's sort of like this clean slate. Mm-hmm. So now that you've, how did you start to rewrite to start to write again? I, cause I know that that's something that just has happened in the last year and you wrote a you know, a, a contribution to an amazing book. That's now number one. Uh, how did you get to that point this year?
1: What, what got you there? So I, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian for people who are listening and I was praying about this writing area of my life for years. I've been praying about it for years, just asking the Lord. When the time comes, I need you to show me clearly when that time is, if I'm ever to write again. And the first part was, like I said, I started songwriting. I started writing worship songs because it was my expression of my mourning. um, But also, I'm going to praise you through the storm. I'm going to praise you through the hard parts of my life. And then... I stopped writing there as well for a while because God was moving me into the technical side of Lady Gadget and getting really familiar with the technical computer repair and things like that um, and blogging design. So when I got into this writing again, I, you know, he was giving me some indications of you're going to be writing again. So get comfortable with the pen again, right? And that I was like, okay, this is going to have to be like a straight up miracle (laughs) if I start writing again, because I I have a little bit of a PTSD attachment to writing at this point because it was traumatic for me. Um, So I knew that area would have to heal. I knew that that area was going to have to be touched in some way for me to even want to put my stuff out there again, afraid that I could lose it. Someone could steal it. I mean, I was going through all these fears and anxieties, right? What if someone takes it and steals it and claims it as their own because of plagiarism or all these different things? And, you know, I just kind of got to this place where I was like, if I don't use my gift that I know I have down deep somewhere inside of me, if I don't even try to step out past those fear zones, then I'm not going to know what could happen. Right. And so then I get this message out of the blue from this person who's a creative. um, She's a publisher. And I had met her in the same group that we met. You know, we have talked about this in the past before. It's just so crazy. So Um, crazy. And she's like, do you want to write your story? You know, and she had told me that. And I was like, yeah, I do. I do want to write my life story in in any kind of form possible. But I'm struggling in this area. (laughs) I was honest with her. And she's like, well, don't give up. Practice writing to yourself and whatever you can and notes and all these different things. So I started doing that. I did a lot of writing, even when it was crap. It sounded awful. I would read it and be like, There's way too many passive verbs in this. Where's my vocabulary? Like I was analyzing this at a technical level. (laughs) You know, I've said very a lot, (laughs) you know, or always a lot, you know, and um, I wasn't satisfied with it, but she was like coaching me and helping me understand that this is all part of that process of getting it back. Right. So I was so grateful for her and for God putting her in my in my life. And then back in uh, October, she approached me and she said, I want you to be in this book with with us, this collaboration, Letters of Love. Um, and she charges, right? So she it was a, something where I had to like look at my pocketbook and be like, okay, am I able to handle this in my budget? And is this something going to be worth it to me? You know, could this really lead where I want it to go or hope it would go? And I was like, I've got so many other things going on financially. I can't, I I just can't see myself investing in this, right? I didn't really see myself investing in myself like that. And then she was just like, I really want you in this book. So we're going to work out some kind of a a deal, right? And so we worked out some kind of a deal where I would be helping her with something as well. And it turned out to be a beautiful friendship at the end of that, which was so cool. I have
0: to say, I have watched how this has evolved and seeing how you and Melissa have come together in your, in your gifts and talents and strengths. And it has been beautiful. It has been really incredible to see because I can pick out exactly what's Melissa and exactly what's Rebecca. And it's very wonderful to see that. So, I think that what I'm hearing from you sort of sharing this Mm -hmm. process of how you got back to writing was that it was this slow sort of messy gradual process Mm -hmm. where you were just you just started and it it wasn't pretty it wasn't great but you just kept doing it and the encouragement that you had from Melissa continuing to sort of gently say just keep going you're getting there just keep trying. Don't don't stop because you're on the right path. Is, is that what really kind of got you where
1: you are? It really did help having the encouragement behind me. Someone noticing, one, that in my messy writing, they, they are a writer and they see that I actually have something valuable in my messy. That was what was powerful to me because I'm writing knowing this isn't my best. This is not what I used to be. And then here's a somebody who's a writer, who's a published writer saying, Your stuff needs to be published. You write as a published author. You need to be writing and it needs to be published. That was very encouraging because it was like, even in my worst <laughs> moments that I'm thinking of like internally, of like, this is awful. This is crap. You know, I could just ball this up, you know, throw it away. Um, they're like, This should be published. This needs to be out there people need to hear this it's inspiring and and so it kind of was confusing to me a little bit because I my idea I think how I grew up of what is excellence was a different idea than what um, the rest of the world could see if that makes sense. I think that's a really good point that oh, I oh I't learned. Right. Excellence on one person, from one person telling me was excellence was not the excellence that everybody else was seeing. So I had to kind of like, you know, embrace that, trust the people that were telling me this and then go out and just do it like just write, put it in there. I was like, OK, I'm going to put my best forward and then we'll see what happens, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. And I think Rebecca, that's a really excellent point, and that's a wonderful reminder because, as autistics and several of us have had the same conversation, we have these very high standards and expectations. Oh my gosh. That we have that we we are very deeply entrenched and and very deeply connected to, mm-hmm. and there is this this level of that we tell ourselves that there's this level that we must meet. There's this benchmark of excellence that we must meet before we could ever put anything out there. Like it has to be perfect or don't put it out there.
1: Oh my gosh. You are speaking to me directly. (laughs) Like that is (laughs) my one big, huge enemy. My big, scary monster has been that, that very thing. It has to be perfect or it has to be the certain way. It has to meet the standard or it's not worth something. It doesn't have value, you know? And that has stopped me from many years of just doing what I just did this year, <laughs> you know? It stopped me from making those very big decisions and those huge steps forward in something scary that was, you know, connected to my trauma. Because a lot of times with trauma, you know, you know, I know this very well, With trauma, we tend to hold back from moving forward in healing because we have all of these preconceived ideas of what's going to happen if we move forward, if we take that step. So then we get really, I mean, I I know it personally, I know how it feels personally. Um, So that's the thing. Like, I, you know, I had to demonstrate in one way, because I know there's a lot of people watching me. (laughs) That's too. That's another thing. There's a lot of people watching me. And if I don't demonstrate what I'm talking about when it comes to healing from trauma in my own life, then what do I have to say? Right? I'm not really saying anything. I got to demonstrate it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to walk the
0: talk. Yeah. 100% agree with you. But I have to share with everybody, because if you have not listened to the ooey gooey love fest that Rebecca and I did back in November, that was our <laughs> one-year friend And I think we can both agree that this year, this past year of 2020, that we both took a look at and reevaluated what we were defining as excellence Mm-hmm. And in that process together, you and I really we we've had some very deep and serious, like life shifting, altering conversations. Yes. <laughs> and and one of those big things I think both of us came to over several conversations in the beginning was that we have been holding ourselves back. We have been our biggest saboteurs <laughs> mm-hmm. in forward momentum and progress because we had been stopping ourselves on this false belief and this benchmark of excellence and perfection that was unattainable. Yes. And yeah. so you and I together said, we're just going to support and encourage one another and we're just going to do it messy. We're going to start messy. Mm-hmm. We know what we want to do and we know it's not going to be perfect when we do it. We were we were agreeing to the fact that we were starting Messy and imperfect, but we were doing it for the first time in our lives, both of us, because we had gone through decades of trying to do it the other way and not getting the results that we wanted, and not ever feeling fulfilled. Because we know, and de- we know we have this greater purpose. We know we have this direction to fulfill, and we weren't doing it, so we were letting ourselves down on all all these different fronts and it was really harming our self-esteem and it was harming our way that we view ourselves. And we decided together and just sort of came together in this really beautiful way in friendship to say, let's just do this together and let's see what happens and let's try it messy because I think we both, I mean, this is a Testament right here. Number one, we are over a year later you are now a number one best-selling published author, yeah. which is huge because when <laughs> you started, you were like, I don't even know that I can write a blog post anymore. <laughs> I don't know that I can string four words together and have them make sense. And I was like, I, I have done all of these things in my life, but nothing has ever been fulfilling. And I know what I want to do, but I have no idea. I have no technical skills for how to do it. Mm-hmm. This is just going to be really messy. And we both just decided to do it messy and to do it together. And here I am with Mind Your Autistic Brain, a yeah. year over a year later, in to look at the progress. And it you can look at the uh, you can look at the ugly first videos on YouTube. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't gonna hurt my, my It ain't gonna hurt my feelings. <laughs> Because I, I want people to see it and I'm not going to take them down. I'm going to leave them up because I yeah. want people to know that you, this is where you can start and, and you can improve. And trust me, I'm still improving every day. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to the first podcast, you know, look at the graphics and the stuff. I mean, it, it's an evolutionary process. And I think you and I have discovered that that creative process applies to everything. We can't isolate it just to one aspect of our lives.
1: Right. Yeah. I think one of the things that the lessons that I've been learning through like publishing this book is that I am the only person who can say that's not going to happen. Right. And I say that to myself. Well, that's not going to happen. I look at I I didn't realize how negative I was towards myself and what I was.
0: Ooh, you were
1: Tough spot. To okay, so talk, yes. talk about <laughs> when you told yourself that's
0: not going to happen. What did you mean? Be more specific.
1: Yes. Okay. So when, when you've been through trauma or when you have been told a narrative about your life, it becomes a belief system that you end up living everything through. It's like putting a filter on your life. And on your eyes and on your mouth and on your ears to where now everything that comes in is filtered out in through that negative lens, right? That negative filter. So you instantly start thinking of all the things that could go wrong, all the things that may not happen. And I did that at the beginning with this book. As soon as it was, you know, presented to me that here's an opportunity for you to publish in a book, my first thought was there's no way I'm going to reach the end of that deadline because I knew a deadline was there. (laughs) And I was like instantly, well, I'm autistic and I suck at deadlines and (laughs) I don't like them because they make, they stunt my creativity. Um, And so putting a date on something is going to instantly make me feel like I am not able to, to do this. So I initially was about to say, no, I don't want to. But instead, I talked through my process with that publisher, right, with with Melissa. And I said, these are my fears. These are my anxieties. I'm going to just lay them out for you and tell you why I'm struggling with saying yes to this. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, we could have a conversation because I, instead of me telling myself, you know, this isn't going to happen. You're not going to complete the project. You're going to end up being a hassle to everyone else because they're just going to be waiting on you, you know, for all your pieces to be done. And then they're not going to like you because of that. And they're going to be like, I never want to be a contributing author with her again. You know, all of the things, all of the lies that were just filtering into my head, I had to say a big fat no. I'm not going to let those negative mindsets and the things from my past that form my belief systems, this is what I teach in trauma anyway with people one-on-one, I'm not going to let it define me and what I'm going to do in my future, in my next steps, in my present. So, yeah, I had to take a really hard look at that and examine it for what it was. And it was all kind of boiled down to I'm afraid. This is fear.
0: And I think that you, you reiterate and tell this in a very relatable way. And then it's one of the ways that I, I mentor and coach autistics who are coming to the party late, like we did. Mm -hmm. And that one of those things is that we usually hold it and keep it all in. We keep our internal narrative to ourselves and right. we don't share it because it's scary. We don't want anybody to know this is how we think and feel about ourselves. Because if we did, then somehow that would be giving somebody the ability to say, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's scary. We don't want that to be said to us. You know, We have a hard enough time with all the things that we've been telling ourselves in our heads, right? So right. we're not going to tell anyone. But when you took the chance and you stepped out and you said, that's what I've been doing and it's never fixed anything. And I continue to feel and think that way. And I continue to stop myself from doing things that I know I should be doing because mm-hmm. they're good for me. They they serve me. That's what I want. That's mm-hmm. where I want to go. I want to be a published author. Yeah, I want to write. And so you had built a relationship with Melissa where you had trust and you could go to her and say, look, I'm just gonna lay this out on the table for you. And I'm gonna tell you what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. And that is really part of connecting with your truer self. And that's part of that unmasking process because it's been a safety mechanism because we have been traumatized, we have been hurt. By things that people have said or done. And, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of us are very sensitive. And so we take those things very, very hard.
1: Yes. And
0: they shape our self belief, and they shape our identity of who we believe we are in the world. And when you get this late identification, and you now know you're autistic, and you think differently, and, and you communicate differently, and you socialize differently in the world. Um, then when we come to this point of, well, how do we go forward? And how do I know who the real me is? Part of that is starting to identify and create some of those trusting relationships where we can start to open up and be our true selves and voice those scary harries, as I call them, that we have in our, you know, in our heads and share that with someone who can then say, well, I can see how this is, this might be something that's a fear for you and I can also tell you this isn't true and kind of help us debunk those false beliefs that we have. But just by opening up and sharing Mm -hmm. with Melissa was a huge step in your process of getting to write.
1: Yeah. And here's one of the things too is like I was trusting someone who I didn't know super well, um, but I could see cared about me. Like I didn't know her on a personal basis at this time, right? Of when I'm sharing this, but I saw that, okay, she's asking me and inviting me into something, which means she sees something valuable in what I do. So that was the first thing, trust that she sees something in me, right? She wants to help me with my gift, develop my gift. Okay. And so that was the first thing I had to get past to trust her. And then the second thing that I had to get past was any kind of criticism that may come, I need to listen to what this person is saying because of the place that they have been. They know what the process is. And if there is something that is negative that I need to hear, I need to be willing to hear it. That's a hard part with the trauma because you just want it to kind of go all in the positive direction, right? You don't really want to be told anything negative, but the reality is there's pieces of us that of things that need to go that got developed because of the trauma. For me, it was the fear of letting other people hear my words, hear my voice, hear what I have to say. And that's something gradually that I am working through in this process now. Um, Every time I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking, what is it that's going to come out of my mouth today that could encourage someone? And what am I holding back and why am I holding it back? Right? And it it usually is-
0: Oh, pause right there. That is a quality (laughs) quality
1: question. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: What am I holding back and why? Mm -hmm. That's a big one. I think that's a big quality question that we can all ask ourselves when it comes to the creative process. Because when you're creating, and I think that that you will agree with me on this, and I want to hear how you feel about this, Rebecca. The creative process is exceptionally personal. You are sharing yourself. Mm -hmm. You are sharing who you are and you are manifesting it in a way that others can consume and see who you are as a person, what your values are, what is important to you, what you love, what you don't love. And all of that is very vulnerable and being put out there for others to consume and scrutinize because we know as humans, we are all judgy people whether we want to intentionally or not we subconsciously are judgy people
1: <laughs> and right. that is a scary thing you are absolutely right that is one of the things that is one of my big scary monsters is that i'm going to say something that's going to offend someone and then it's going to spiral into something really bad <laughs> which i know every person listening to this understands <laughs> because we've talked about this the cyberbullying and stuff um But what I forget all the time, and I have to remind myself when I get into that spiral, because it really is, it's a thought loop, which you've talked about before. It's a thought loop that goes over and over again in my head, and it says, okay, well, if you put your stuff out there, people are going to read it. Some people are going to agree with it. Some people are going to be blessed by it. Others are not. The ones who are not are going to be negative Nancy's and then try to destroy you and your person, your reputation, your life. So let's not put anything out there today. <laughs> you know, that is my thought process. And I'm going
0: to avoid the hurt. I'm going to avoid the uncomfortable at all
1: costs. So right. I'm just going to
0: make myself really small.
1: Really, really small. Yes. And I, but then on the other end, I hear my friends and I hear people in my life saying, We would love to hear more from you. We love when you show up. We love when you show your face on Facebook, you know, with videos and stuff. And I'm just, you know, on YouTube. And I'm just like, Okay, there has to be that point in which I say, My creative process is an expression of me. And if I keep waiting, and waiting and waiting year after year to do something with it and share it, eventually I'm going to be gone. (laughs) And I've left nothing behind, right? And so part of even writing this book, it was a legacy thing. It's like there's going to be people reading this who didn't know me in person, but they're going to get a taste of who I was, which is kind of a neat thing to think about. And that's how it is with anything. When I see people writing blog posts about their life and, you know, maybe people in the moment are like, I don't want to read about your life. But what if someone comes across that blog or comes across that content in the future and it's just what they needed to hear in that moment? And that's what I've been learning in this process is that we all have something to say and share. And we have a very unique perspective individually, even if it's the same story as everyone else. It's the way that we tell it. It's the way we present it. It's the connection we make with people. And that is what I am learning in this process, that that is very important. And what I have to say is important. And I need to get it out there. And I need to just write it. And I need to publish it and not be afraid of the backlash that could happen. Don't be afraid of the what ifs, you know, what if this, what if that? Um, So, yeah,
0: I wholeheartedly agree. And yes, you and I have had this conversation and we had both experienced some of that backlash and that cyber bullying early on back in the spring of 2020. So we came together and said, we're going to make a video. Mm-hmm. And over the last few months, we've seen this happen in our community where it's people within the autistic community attacking and really trying to tear down other autistic creators. Yes. And it does happen. And it's, it's completely unnecessary. And it is exceptionally harmful. And it is not helping our community grow. We are already a community of disenfranchised and deeply wounded people yes. who are seeking connection. Mm-hmm. And you and I have both made the the intentional decision and we do it together and we try and, and do it in a place of kindness and gentleness and patience and understanding and deep love mm-hmm. for not just ourselves and one another, but for all of those in our community. You and I said we're not gonna give up, we're not gonna stop, and we're not gonna quit Mm -hmm. what we do in our respective autism community sites because we know. And I show up every day for that one person that really needed to hear that word of encouragement or that story or connection Mm -hmm. in my voice. And like you said, it could absolutely be the same thing that somebody else says. But when they hear it from that other person, it may not resonate and may not connect in the same way that it does from my voice or from your voice, which was the whole reason that the podcast started was because I said, I'm not going to be everybody's person, but if I can introduce you to your person, Mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. Very cool. Yeah. And I I think that stepping out into, into the place that I don't show up, the people that i'm not the person for that that's not why you and i are here we create and we show up for the people that go you're my person and i don't care if that's one person i don't care if that is only Mm -hmm. one person that Mm -hmm. one person is the one i show up for every day Mm -hmm. and i know you do too
1: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely You know, one of the things that I would say like to creators who are being like bullied like that and just horrible things being said and stuff is that you still have the backing and the support of a bigger community than the bully. So when people are seeing it happen on your feeds, on your Instagram, whatever, wherever it is and that you're creating, there's another community that's going to back you up. So find them, you know, we are here, come to us, jump into our communities and be like, these are your people, right? It doesn't matter what they say. And a lot of things like we, we had that whole video on this, on the words and how words, words are cowardly, really. It's a cowardly way to try to influence without saying it to your face. It's easier to do it online. Um, But really, you know, I see stuff like this all the time. And I've had things said to me as well of like, you know, you just need to be quiet. You just need to shut up and stop talking about, you know, these things because we don't care, you know. And I'm like, well, you may not care individually, but I know that all these other people that I just said that to do care. And those are the people I'm talking to, not you. Yeah.
0: So, it I just, takes a lot more strength, and it takes a lot more elegance mm-hmm. to just bypass something you don't agree with. Yeah, and that's what I really encourage people to do. I'm like, yeah. if you don't agree with something, mm-hmm. and and your response is not going to do anything other than cause harm right. to another person, if it's not coming from a place of kindness,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. There is a difference between reaching out and saying hey I really appreciate where your heart is. Like I had somebody on Instagram that I didn't know and I had posted something that I I was thought was encouraging and it was it was loving and it came from a place of love and this person was really kind and they said I know that you're trying to say something encouraging and this is supposed to be positive but I want you to know there's some of us that would take this and it would be really triggering and really hurtful because Mm -hmm. then we would question our, ourselves. And I thought, you know, I kind of had this funny gut feeling that that wasn't a a super fit, but I, I didn't listen to myself. And so I I thanked her. I sent her a message. She's like, thank you for being kind Mm -hmm. in how you conveyed your thoughts and how you felt. I thank you for being really, you know, gentle in how you approached this and thank you for helping me grow And also to encourage me to to trust my instincts from the get-go because I didn't. And I thought, oh, no, I'm just being silly or I'm overthinking this. I know you guys know what I mean. Uh (laughs) I'm overthinking this. So it was really nice to have that. And I made sure when I put the next post up that I tagged her and I said, thank you, this, I am improving and I am getting better because you were really kind and gentle in how you, you were helping me. Yeah. You know, and there's a difference
1: very it much. really yes. So. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the so things I've, too that I've noticed is that, you know, we we creators, people maybe in the spotlight cuz this is creators in the spotlight, right? There's this like I think it's part of that expectation standards thing, that high standards thing. We put on people that are creators in the spotlight expecting them to be this thing, but we are imperfect people figuring these things out as well. And I feel like that's an important point to say. Like we also are working through our own stuff in the process of doing this. We haven't arrived. We, we won't arrive to anything. It's just every single day is a new experience a new learning, learning about ourselves, learning about other people, how we relate to them. I've had people say, what you said to me was so hurtful because that's something that someone else said to me. Well, thank you for letting me know that. Because I would never have known that that's the exact phrasing, the exact words that were spoken to you. And let's make sure we don't do that again. That's me learning that from you. So I think it's important to make that point, to not hold your creators in such a high, in your leadership in such a high standard because we will fail you. We are going to fail you at times. It's how we handle it. It's how we both handle it in the relationship that matters.
0: Yeah, it really is. And I think that's such a wonderful point. But thank you for saying that, Rebecca, Yeah, because that is one of the things that kind of keeps people from creating and from sharing their creative It's a, it's, everything is the creative process. And, you know, I, I talk about, it's not a positive, it's not going to negative. And I think you've, you touched on this earlier, but really, it's the shift in, it's the lessons that you learn every day. Mm -hmm. And the really big quality question from that is, what have I learned more about myself today than what I knew yesterday? Right. Yes. And as a creator, that is essentially what we're learning more about ourselves every day. And mm-hmm. we are imperfect. We are fallible. We make mistakes. But when those things happen, where we haven't done something to, you know, this standard that someone on the other end might have, then instead of having the response of, oh, man, they're learning. <laughs> Just like me, I'm learning, they're learning too. Right. To to attack and tear down instead of mm-hmm. say, all right here my friend I think this might be part of a lesson you need to check out today yeah <laughs> let me see let me see how how I could help you and perhaps we could help each other because really it, it has to be a, a two-sided conversation
1: oh, yes. that we have
0: together mm-hmm. um, So in that in a two-sided conversation, your letters of love mm-hmm. are two conversations that you have from two different perspectives. Would you mind sharing? what those two letters, those two recipients of your love letters were, and a little bit about the story and how you created those, please.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So the first one is a legacy letter. It is designed to be written in such a way where anybody in the past, present or future could read it and relate to it. Um, and it is a basic, uh, you know, telling of my perspective on love and understanding of love, um, how I love people at a depth that I have been told, like big heart, heart of gold, things like that. I didn't want to just keep it to myself because there is something very unique that I am following, and there is a very unique part of me that God has created um, to allow me to be able to love in that way. And so this is a way I can share it with other people and be like, if you love people in this way, You are going to see so much growth in your relationships. You're going to see ministry come out of that. You're going to see leadership. You will become a leader of communities, um, basically sharing these things, these secrets of my life um, and how I'm able to do what I do. Uh, So that's one perspective. And then the other letter is to my husband um, with the process of unmasking. We were just talking about this last night and he was expressing how unmasking is really hard for him he's a neurotypical and uh, we didn't know that i was neurodiverse when we got married we did not know a lot of things (laughs) about our whole process and who i was and he's like i married thinking you were one person but when we married you relaxed you felt comfortable and you unmasked now we understand what that is and so now I'm married to a different person than I thought I was married to, which can be very hard, right? Very difficult. (laughs) So we've had to work through a lot of things in our marriage. And my letter is kind of walking through some of those things, but in a poetic way, Um, which I think you've read the letter, right, Carol? Yeah.
0: Oh, I've, I've read both of them and I've read the entire book. I, I picked it up the other night Mm -hmm. to just kind of glance over it because I thought, oh, I'm just going to kind of like sprinkle through it and I'll just kind of check it out. And I started with the very first one. And the next thing I knew, I was reading the last page. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, and it truly, oh my gosh, it is just the most beautiful journey Mm -hmm. from all of the authors and they, they share their perspectives of why they were writing it and who they were writing their letters to in the beginning and sort of their little intro Mm -hmm. and then you read this letter I mean from uh from the very beginning where one woman is speaking to her children and Mm -hmm. mentioning the children that weren't there anymore and all the way through to the woman who had had three strokes and how it had changed mm-hmm. her life and writing that and all of these beautiful stories and love from perspectives and experiences that I never would have associated with a love letter. Right. I mean, this really is a phenomenal book and just <laughs> the mm-hmm. way it's written in all the different voices and perspectives. And I love yours because it's really the only one that's written the first one in the legacy book that's written to a community of people. Mm -hmm. You want to share who that community is?
1: So, yeah. So the first with the first one, um, the community is every single person in my life, in my circles that I've ever been attached to or connected with my church communities, my clients in my business. Like I am saying this message to everybody who will pick up this book and listen, but I'm writing specifically, um, to all of the people that are connected to me in some way who have been there to support me, to help me through things, whether it's negative or positive. Cause even the people in my life who said something negative, I've learned things from. So even the people that are hard to love, those are also people who are recipients of my letter. Um, and so, yeah, there's, like, all kinds of people, <laughs> like, because I'm a very people person. So I feel like it's hard for me not to give all of myself to people in general. Um, but, yeah, it is. It's it's a very unique type of a letter. And I didn't realize how unique it was until compared to all the others. So It really
0: and I- is. And it stands out beautifully in the sense that it is written in just this incredibly loving way to everyone who has touched your life, mm-hmm. period, in mm-hmm. all aspects. In all aspects. So how about this one that you've written to Jason? Now, now we're recording this before the week before Valentine's Day. And I know that you have been planning from from the inception of this. Mm-hmm. And I also remember when you wrote the letter to him and the circumstances.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you
0: mind sharing
1: that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So because, okay, I'll, ta- I'll let you in on a little something. Being married to a neurotypical is so different when it comes to marriage in general, <laughs> because that you are speaking very different languages, and you're trying to figure out what the other person is saying all the time. It can be exhausting. Imagine yourself trying to have a conversation with a neurotypical, and you're like exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> right? This is my day. I think we can, we can all imagine that. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So you can relate to this. So it's exhausting. And we've had conversations about how it takes me time to recover from conversations with my own husband because of that exhausting aspect. Um, but what happened was I was having a really hard time putting to words something that wasn't technical. Because my brain and the way it thinks, I'm not like this romantic naturally. I am more of an analyzer. So I analyze the relationship, (laughs) I analyze the personalities and all that different thing. But when you're talking about the love language, you know, that you'd write in a, you read in a romance novel, I can't connect with that personally. I really struggle with it. So I was like, oh gosh, as I started writing this letter, I was like, this sounds awful. Like, (laughs) this is not a love letter at all. I don't know how to express my love to my husband. I'm, I'm realizing this in the process of writing this. I don't even know how to do this. So it was a very growth thing for me in our marriage as I'm writing through this. But then uh, something happened to with my husband and we had a scare. We had a hospital scare and I'm in the hospital and I ended up just sitting there like trying to figure out what do I write my husband? But I'm crying and I'm like, what's going to happen to our lives and our marriage and what's what could this could end up happening? Um, and then I called you (laughs) and I was just like, help, I need some, I need to process these emotions out. And then you gave me just a beautiful suggestion of like, in this moment, how you're feeling about your husband, write what you wish he would know right now in this moment. You know, and that was beautiful because it really helped me connect this scary time in our lives of what's happening and the unknowns and the fears and anxieties I was feeling throughout my body to how I really feel about my husband, how grateful I am for him, how thankful I am. Um, And just analyzing and looking back on our, you know, almost seven years of marriage, because that's a long time to be with someone, you know. And really just taking each section of it from the very beginning to the end, almost like you're walking through a timeline of our life, of the things we've been through and what we've done together and what we've accomplished together, despite the difficulty. I think that was what was making this letter very powerful to people who are reading it because they're, I've heard a lot of feedback that this letter was very touching And it was exactly what I wanted to say. And I've not been able to ever write a letter like that to my husband. I've never been able to express those things to my husband before. So that's why this is very special because I want to, you know, give this to him as a Valentine's Day gift.
0: Yes. And so that is, you know, stepping out of your... Your uh, analytical brain and into your romantic brain. Yes. So you've you've been planning this really romantic way to share this letter of love with him on Valentine's Day, which I just think is so amazing, and I just love it. Oh, I love it. So he has no idea, and we have been keeping this super hush yes. hush. And you've been telling everybody you can't tell Jason, you can't show Jason this is secret, secret. <laughs>
1: Yes, he almost found out the other day when I made a post I hid him in it and then someone was like, Oh, that steak looks delicious and he was like, There's no steak on her wall <laughs> on her Facebook walls. Like I oh, saw shit. that. <laughs> I saw that comment. I'm like Oh please, don't tell me you just tagged him and he's gonna see that. I know. Well, no, they told, they texted him. One of the friends. He's like, I've got spies, and I was like, oh gosh, this isn't good. Oh no. But they were like, oh man, that steak that Rebecca posted on her wall. Look for like, because my husband made. He, this is the kind of husband I have. Very, I'm so blessed, and it was so sweet. He's like, I have a special dinner for you, because he's the romantic. He's the one who's the romantic. He's like, I have a special dinner for you as the number one best-selling author, a number one best-selling author dinner. And so he made this amazing steak, which you can see on my wall, cause I posted it and it's it's public, just he can't see it. And so people were jumping on that and being like, oh my gosh, that looks delicious. <laughs> so then people were texting him saying, oh my gosh, that steak you made was so like, looked so good well done, you know? And he's like, what steak picture? What? And then he was like, are you hiding things from me? And I'm like, no comment. (laughs) I can't
0: say anything. (laughs) You're like, do not ask questions right now. All will be revealed.
1: We're almost there. We are so close.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. So we're going to have to have an update of some sort because everybody listening and watching is going to want to know how it turns out when you share and I want to just preface a little something here. Okay. You are romantic. You are romantic in your language, in your way. You are not unromantic in any way. You are deeply romantic. <laughs> no. You just do it in your way in your language. And I love this and I, I I can't wait. I'm so excited. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for Valentine's Day for Jason to get this. Just as, as bad, I think, as you. Because I'm like, I gotta see how he gets Because he is. He is a big romantic. He is, like, such a touchy-feely emotion guy, you know? He really is. I mean, you think, you know, this, this big, tough guy is not going to be that way. And he is. He is a deeply feeling person. And he is definitely the ooey-gooey romantic side. Of the relationship, but you
1: are in your way. Yes, yes. I am usually <laughs> I'm I'm the the person who is the common sense person. <laughs> so I have to like tap into it and be like, oh, romantic time. Got it. <laughs> like I need to put my brain into right. That. Well, and that's but that's been the beautiful journey
0: of yeah. you two learning to speak the other's language and interpret that and translate it and that has really been a big creative process hasn't it
1: yes oh my goodness I feel like it's, it was interesting because as I was writing this letter I was just like okay how do I want to express the the an analytical thought that I have, you know, or the concrete thought, the technical thought, how do I want to express that in a romantic way to where it will touch the feelings and the emotions of him? Because he is my the recipient of my letter. I need him to feel it. I need him to absorb it and understand it and get it. And that was my biggest challenge because, you know, when you're not touchy, feely, romantic type. <laughs> it's hard to understand and get into the shoes and into the head of the person who is. Um, but I think in that moment of, you know, I could lose my husband, that it brought it in like this is how I really feel about my husband and this is very deep, you know. And it was good for our marriage too because it helped me even express more to my husband and talk about these things a little more with my husband after I wrote that letter because it unlocked a piece in me that I didn't know was there really. So.
0: Oh, I love it. It's so beautiful. So Rebecca, as a published author, number one bestseller, Letters of Love is out today. And you guys can go on Amazon and get a digital copy or order a printed copy with these beautiful full color photos of Letters of Love. Rebecca, what would you share with someone who is watching or listening today who has this passion to write, who has this story that they want to tell and they want to publish it? What are some tips that you have for them to get them started on their journey as a writer and creator?
1: So one of the things that I have learned in this process is don't focus on it as a moneymaker, as a business. Don't focus on it that way. Because a book, you know that the market is very saturated when it comes to books, right? So if you're wanting to tell a specific story, your story may not be the story that is the like the biggest thing everybody's, you know, grabbing, right? But it's the way that you talk to people about it. You share with people about it. of This is a piece of me Giving you as a gift. I want you to see what I had to say. I want you to understand how I feel and where it came from. Um, I think that's what's connecting with people in this book. Um, also, the thing I would say is, you know, if you're going to want to self-publish, it is a hard process. It is not easy like people try to say it is if you're wanting to do like a full full book. Um, so, you want to connect with a publisher, someone who knows what they're doing through all the hurdles. And, you And in a, in a way, like it's kind of interesting because in this process, uh, me and my publisher have been talking about allowing a more open area for people to self-publish who may not have the, the high end money available. Um, and how could we make that work and help people in that way? So we've been kind of talking about that a little bit. We don't have anything set in stone, but we see that there is a barrier between the little guy and being able to do this. And we want to kind of find a way to close in on that gap because it's the people who have a lot of money tend to write the books and publish them. That's the reality of it. Um, if you want to, you want to invest. You do want to invest because that's going to help you hit your deadlines. It's going to help you take this seriously because it is a serious project. Um, but you want to have a coach. You want to have a guide along the way. And so, if somebody is interested in something like this. Definitely come to me. Send me a message because we may have something in the works that will help you get to that point, which is pretty exciting. Yeah.
0: So share with us and our community listening and watching today where they can connect with
1: you, Rebecca. So the best way would be my website, because then you can send me an email or through my contact form um, and also check out what I do. uh, www.rebeccajsamuel.com. Pretty simple and easy. Um, Just make sure the spelling is right. And I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes, I will. Yes, um, but that is a great way because I have everything I do for the most part plugged in in one place so that you can kind of see, you know, ministry things that I do. I do a lot. I am a creative all the way around. You (laughs) are. (laughs) I am involved in so many different avenues. I think neurodivergent is the word maybe. I've been discovering that it's like being able to go in all these different directions and stay on top of everything too that's very much who I am. That describes who I am being able to do that. So I think it would be, um, that'd be the best place to, to reach me instead of telling you all. the (laughs) Well, and
0: I want to share too, that if, when you go to Rebecca's website, she does have specific newsletters for each of the, of the projects that she's running. And you can sign up to receive uh, the weekly newsletter that she puts together and writes. And it is so much fun. I, I look forward to it in my inbox every week. I mean, if we oh. talk and she's one of my best friends, but <laughs> it's so fun to get her newsletter because it's just always these little insights and little snippets from her week. And it's just, it is a delight to really read. It's so much fun. Oh, news- <laughs> speak- no, absolutely. And speaking of newsletters the Mind Your Autistic Brain Community newsletter is out and we have published the very first one and the title of the newsletter is called The Brain Dump. And in it, I share some really quick resources from things that I've been enjoying throughout the month, a podcast or an article. And the one this month has got a phenomenal podcast episode from my friend Tim Goldstein from the NeuroCloud. And it is wonderful. It is one of the presentations that he gave at Google, and he is a he's a Googler. And another one is a phenomenal article that will not only make you think but make you laugh out loud by Evelyn Welton from Awesome Training about lining things up. It is really phenomenal. It is such a fun article and you're going to love it. Um, And it's got all the things that are happening in the Mind Your Autistic Brain community. So make sure that you also sign up and don't miss out on the once a month newsletter, super short and sweet with lots of fun resources from The Brain Dump. So Rebecca, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your creative process, your endeavors, and all of the things that you're creating And a little bit of insight into how you do it and how you approach it in the world. Thank you for being here, Rebecca.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you guys so much for just supporting Carol Jean um, with the Mind Your Autistic Brain. I feel like it has been a really neat community. I've been following the community and you guys are just awesome. I just have to say.
0: (laughs) Well, you're one of us. You're you're awesome right back. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Hey, okay. bye.